are listening to First Church Charlotte. Yes, yes. Great to see everyone in the house of the Lord here today. All of you joining us online at this time, we welcome you. Wherever you're at, we want you to have church along with us. Um, So fill your house with amen. Uh, Type amen in the chat. Like the stream. My daughter says, like and subscribe. (laughs) You know kids are growing up in a modern age when little kids are saying, like and subscribe. Uh, so it's a joy to be here with all of you today. A pretty, pretty good-looking crowd considering the uh, rain and the social distancing, and it looks pretty good. I'm, a, I'm uh, really glad to worship in this house with all of you. I, I want you to know, I, I should explain something real quick. Um, so this week's study, every week I do this, I, I'm, I will study, I, I think, I you know, pray, I try to figure out what I'm going to do. And, all week long, I've been thinking about how every year, the, the, Christ, the Sunday before Christmas, I tend to do like real kind of feel good, make friend type sermons. And I don't know why I thought that all this week, but I thought, man, this 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 Sunday I'm going to do the I'm going to do something a little deeper, like 90% below the water, you know, so the 10% above the water, or the 90% below the water. And so I got into some like real theology of the Advent theology of how all things are fulfilled and. And all that good stuff. And I, I went over to my office and my wife came over. And a lot of times between services, I ask her, is there anything I can do better on anything? And unfortunately, she tells me. <laughs> and <laughs> so she walked in today and she just said, I want you to know I, I couldn't follow anything you were saying this morning. And I don't know what you're trying to do with these poor people. And she was very sweet about it. But um, I got nothing to preach. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, let's all stand. You can be dismissed. No, just kidding. <laughs> so my title uh, was uh, Created to Come Near. And the idea uh, behind the effort, the deeply theologized effort, was to remind all of us how we were created to be in fellowship with the Lord. Uh, we were created to live as part of his household. Let me try again on this side. Did I say to this side? We were created to be a part of the divine household. You see, God had a court in heaven, and he filled it with his creations. That's where the angelic host comes from. And here on earth, the Lord just, uh, you know, biological beings, not just animals of the field, so to speak. Uh, we became spiritual beings. And when that was lost, the whole point of Christmas, or as theologians like to call it, the advent of the Lord, um, the whole point of it was to correct the lost fellowship that had been always in God's plan, always in his in his purpose. And, and we celebrate that. And Christmas makes us sensitive to the beauty of it. Christmas a lot of times helps us pause with our, from our busyness and to consider again, to cons- consider anew the gentleness of the Lord and the great love with which he has loved us. I, I think the most beautiful uh, book uh, written about Christmas, at least of the books that I've read, is the book written by Max Licato entitled God Came Near. And in that book, he, he tries to place himself in the, in the shoes of Mary, a young girl who doesn't really understand everything that's happening to her. And yet she gives birth to the son of 
the son of God. And, and he says this, wide awake is Mary, how young she looks. Her head rests on the soft leather of Joseph's saddle. The pain has been eclipsed by wonder. She looks into the face of the baby, her son, her Lord, his majesty. At this point in history, the human being who best understands who God is and what he is doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. She can't take her eyes off of him. Somehow, Mary knows that she is holding God. So this is he. She remembers the words of the angel, his kingdom will never end. She touches the face, Max Licato says, of the infant God and asks the question, how long was your journey? Imagine Mary, a teenage mother, asking a baby, the divine baby, how long was your journey to come here. This same baby had overlooked the universe and now uh, here he is in swaddling clothes. And, uh, he, had, he had worn all creation as the robes of his majesty and, and now it's, it's uh, him wrapped up in this, this cold manger and he's traded this golden throne room for a pretty smelly sheep pen and <laughs> Uh, worshiping angels have been replaced by kind but bewildered shepherds. Meanwhile, around them, the city of Bethlehem hums. The merchants are unaware that God has visited their planet. And the innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God out into the cold. Uh, this moment of touching pathos, this moment of beautiful uh, God came near, <laughs> that literal the expression of God came near. Uh, it, is, it is God's effort to correct the rejection that sin represented. Um, I, I probably should try in a slightly less complicated uh, effort to explain, explain what I, I, I meant by, I mean by this, because I think there is some beauty to it that that helps if we understand the symbols that are involved. Now, why do I, as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, why do I talk a lot about symbols in the Bible? And the reason why is the same reason why Jesus taught in parables. A parable is a method whereby you use something that is easy to understand and you use it to teach about something that is not easy to understand. And so when Jesus is trying to explain something that's difficult for us to understand, like what is the kingdom of heaven like, he will say something like this. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, a, man, uh, a master who was traveling and he left stewards in charge of all that he had. So he teaches the difficult by the description of the symbol. Uh, if you go through the whole word of God, the use of symbols is the same way. And God had created humanity to be with him, to have fellowship uh, with him, not, not simply as a project where God stays at a distance and observes some type of a beast in a forest, but as communion, as a community in spiritual union, uh, as to walk together, that, that image of them walking with the Lord is not an, ac an accident. That is an image of what all the life of faith is. We all of us walk with the Lord. And so in the cool of the day, when the heat of the sun had either passed or not risen, uh, they would spend time together, God 
and Adam and Eve, the creator and the creation. It it was not accidental. uh, It was intentional. And I want to try to point out something here very quickly. Um, Even the form of the world in which Adam and Eve were placed uh, was a testimony to why God had created them the way he had. Um, let, me, let me remind you of the passage where we read in Genesis chapter number one that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. And the Bible says darkness was over the face of the deep. And then the Bible gives us this, this image. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, God's abode is in the heavenlies, yes? God has created a heavenly court, a heavenly host, and God's abode is in the spirit realm, but that is not where you find him in Genesis chapter number one. You don't find him in his court. You don't find him in the heavenlies. You find the Spirit of the Lord brooding over the darkness above chaos. This is such an image of uh, the, the, the love of God and the heart of God, because even today, uh, there's many people who have experienced a lot of chaos in their life, and they, they feel far from God. God. God would not be near to where I am, and my life is full of confusion and full of despair, and God, God would not be near to the mess that my life has become, but the second verse of the Bible, you see the spirit of the Lord hovering over uh, the waters of darkness and chaos, and he is moving, and this this image of hovering is is not, it doesn't stand alone in the scripture. Uh, The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 that eagles hover over their young. Uh, uh, It's as though uh, also shown to us when the spirit overshadows Mary. And she conceived this hovering of God, this nearness of God. And when Jesus is baptized, the dove representing the almighty, the holiness of God, the eternal manifestation of God hovering over him as he is baptized. So in this image of a chaotic creation, the physical world exists. The physical that we experience exists, but it's chaotic. It's without form and void, covered in darkness, but the spirit of the Lord uh, is there. And out of this darkness, uh, God creates a place and he places within this place his people, his creation, Adam and Eve. So let me explain uh, this as best I can. Uh, Eden is not all of creation. I know a lot of times we think that way and sometimes when we're communicating we speak that way, but uh, it is uh, more than that. There was the larger world, and I'll explain all of this as we go forward, that God had created. And then within creation, within the world, there was Eden, and within Eden was a garden, do you see? Uh, this is something that the Hebrew scholars do a better job understanding because Hebrew scholars read creation as the first tabernacle plan, the first temple. In the temple, you have the larger temple that includes all peoples. You have a court of Gentiles, includes all peoples. That's the largest court. Then you have a holy place, which is a place of worship, fellowship, to minister to the Lord. And within the holy place, there is a holy of 
holies. This is shown in creation. There's the larger house of God. Then there is a holy place. What is that? That's Eden. And within Eden, there is a holy of holies. That is the garden. The Bible says that God had placed this Garden, it is the holy of holies, so to speak, in the east of Eden. So there's creation, there is Eden, and then there is a garden within Eden. And it is within Eden that Adam and Eve walk with God. Do you see? It is within that holy place that is intentional. I want you to see this. It is an intentional place. It's not random. We don't play football there. We don't just hang out for the point of hanging out there. It's not about foosball and barbecue. This is the place we walk with God. It is a garden of God's preparation. Humanity has been given dominion over all God's creation. Do you see? But there is a place of their abode that is Eden and there is a garden. This is the place of their communion with God. And it is within this holy place that you have the tree of life and the tree of death, the tree of eternal God-given life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when Lucifer, in the form of a serpent, tempts Adam and Eve, well, she, he tempts Eve, I should say, uh, he doesn't do so in the larger creation. He doesn't do so even within uh, the larger dominion of man, Eden. He does so in the holy place, as if to remind us that the temptations of our heart cannot be so easily uh, blocked and hidden, but even in uh, the sacred places of our life, if we're not careful, uh, pride rears its ugly head and sin finds a way to destroy. And that's what happened. And so what happens? Uh, They are cast out of uh, the holy place, the garden. They're cast out of Eden. And where do they go? To the larger creation. And the nature and essence of it is different. God had intended, he had created, he had designed Adam and Eve to be with him. He did not design them to be isolated. He designed them to be with him. It was so intentional that all of creation was themed around this core truth. I have made you to be with me. I have made you to know me. I have made you to walk with me. I have intentionally placed you here. I'm not satisfied to stay in the throne room with the coast of heaven. I want relationship with you. I'm not satisfied to stay in the domain of deity. I want relationship with you. And in the cool of the day, I don't just want to stay there with worshipers. I want to come down here and have friends. This is what is lost in the fall of Adam and Eden in the garden. And so uh, the Lord had designed it. Why? For fellowship. It was not simply a biology project of heaven. Uh, It was fellowship. It was creation themed for spiritual fellowship. It was beauty used for spiritual fellowship. 
fellowship. It was a safe place engineered, what? For spiritual fellowship. And all we had to do was allow him to hold the keys of our own morality, our own knowledge of good and evil that is symbolized by whether or not we submit to his way or our way. And what did we do? Sin made us competitors with God and we wanted to judge God. Decide what is right and wrong in our own eyes. Be careful judging God. It's the original sin. Be careful saying if a guy can't believe in a God who would do that. How do you know God did it? How do you know it doesn't break God's heart too? How do you know that he has moved all of heaven, including sacrificing himself to make it whole? And so this we become competitors with God and the purpose of creation is no longer to facilitate fellowship with God, but it is the pursuit of its own interest. This is sin. This is what sin does. This is how sin destroys relationships. Nobody cares about anybody else. Everybody does what is right in their own eyes. No one has empathy for people who are less fortunate. Nobody has any desire to help Lazarus at the gates of their estate. Everybody is in it for themselves. They just want to build bigger barns and bigger barns. And you know what you end up with? A jungle where every tooth is bloody and every claw is bloody because that's all that is left. When creation is turned to the, 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 the fulfillment of its own desires. It's not how it was intended. It was created as to a place to facilitate fellowship with God. So beauty was for fellowship and safety was for fellowship and creation was for fellowship. We were always intended for fellowship with God. All that's lost. And now God has to uh, decide what comes next and mercy will not allow him to write us off. And so uh, all of these things that you see first in the Garden of Eden show up again and again in the temple, uh, the temple era, the tabernacle, the temple era, show up again in prophets, show up again in the ministry of Jesus Christ, and then show up again in revelations of the new Jerusalem that is coming. These, all of these things will show up again. Uh, the tree of life, it will show up again. Uh, the tree of death, it will show up again. The difference is uh, it is in a different God-ordained form. And so the tree of death becomes the tree of Calvary upon which Jesus bears our death. And the tree in Revelations becomes that tree whose leaves is for the healing of the nations. So it is the rivers that flow through this garden, uh, out of the garden into Eden, out of Eden into the world. Uh, It is so that in uh, the New Jerusalem, uh, there is a river that is again celebrated. A water of life, Revelations 22 says, bright as crystal flowing down from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Uh, What did God need to do to fix 
the world that humanity had created through rebellion. He had created a world for fellowship. And through sin, we had chosen God as a competitor rather than Lord and Savior. We chose to judge him rather than submitting to his judgment. We chose to define his way instead of letting him define our way. All this has changed and this world is different. And now spiritual isolation is a real problem. Now people don't see very clearly. We can no longer have access to God because that which once was the focus of worship now becomes a threat to what we have become. And even the goodness of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God can slay you. And so this has to be corrected. Uh, You will see uh, all through the word of the Lord, the plan of God unfolded as God seeks to uh, correct this. Uh, We celebrate in this Christmas season, we celebrate that day where uh, the the Lord, uh, the angel, the spokesman of the Lord, you might think, uh, speaks out and uh, says, good tidings of great joy uh, shall be to you and all peoples. Uh, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Uh, and it, it, this, this announcement is to uh, simple shepherds. And uh, you also find uh, Gentiles. I, I know you think of them as wise men uh, because that's Christmassy. But uh, really the image is more powerful than that. More powerful than I almost lost my handkerchief. That'll kill the spirit right there. Um, so um, you have at this manger scene, what do you have? You have shepherds, the lowly. And you have wise men, the Gentiles. And what are they doing to the Son of God held in Mary's arms in this little, little, so to speak, uh, uh, manger scene, little barn, little pen for animals? What is happening here? You are seeing the lowly and the Gentiles worship God. They are serving God. They are bringing gifts to God. What does this example, what is happening here? You're seeing the lowly and you're seeing the Gentile serve as priests unto the Lord. They are worshiping and (laughs) they are serving and they are bringing gifts. They are seeking. So what has happened is the priesthood is not serving as priests when God comes, but the lowly and the Gentile have been made to serve as a royal priesthood to minister and worship to the Lord when Jesus is born. Remember that image, okay? Uh, I want you to see how God was always trying to restore what was lost at Eden. Uh, He is looking for fellowship. He is looking for unity. Uh, If you will open your heart at all toward God, he will move heaven and earth to come to where you are. I know it's difficult for us to have a a real relationship with someone we cannot see. I know it's difficult for us to have what we feel like is a real intimate relationship with with someone we, we have no physical connection with. We only have a faith connection with. And the result of that is if we are honest. Let me just, let me just try to be real brass tacks here. If we are honest, um, sometimes we struggle to know how to find God. How do I have a relationship with God? How do I have this intimate connection with God? This is what I want you to see. I don't always know how to get to him, but he always knows how to get to me. 
Do you see? And so the Bible gives us this promise. If I draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto me. I don't know how to get to where he is. This is the Christmas story, but he knows exactly how to get where I am. I don't know where to find him, but he knows exactly how and where to find me. All I have to do is have some desire within myself to draw nigh unto him. And all of heaven is brought to attention. I don't know how to find him, but he knows exactly how to find me. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're facing in your life, you don't even know where to start. You say, you say within yourself, I don't feel like I know how to pray. I don't feel particularly powerful or spiritual, you know, no angels bow down when I walk by and I don't see demons behind every bush. I don't even know where to start. Let me say this. All you have to do is have a heart to seek after God. And although you don't know how to find him, honey, he knows how to find you. He'll come right where you are. He'll touch your heart right where it is. His arms will wrap around you right what you're li- right where you are living. And so uh, we have to see this, this uh, be reminded that God is seeking us. We're not just seeking God. God is seeking us. Uh, and the result of this is although we don't know how to find him, he knows exactly how to find us. And so uh, through the scripture, you see, you see this, this truth established, uh, particularly in the ministry of Jesus Christ, where he says things like uh, his words to the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Well, um, the uh, time is coming, he says, and, uh, and now is when uh, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for, for, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He is seeking such to worship him. What do you mean? Aren't people filling the temple in Jerusalem? Well, yes. Aren't people journeying to Jerusalem? Yes. Don't they have a form, a kind of formalized style of offering and worship? Yes. You mean God is still seeking? Yes, because what God is seeking is the same connection, the same fellowship, the same walk with him that was lost, and law will not do it. What we need is correction for sin, not simply education of sin. Let me say it again. We need a cure for sin, not simply the knowledge of sin, and all of the Old Testament is about the knowledge of sin. Uh, The New Testament is about a cure for sin. God is seeking such to worship him. God is looking for worshipers. This church ought to be filled with worshipers so God will come by and be a part of our services. Your life should be filled with worship because God is looking for worshipers. How did this happen? Well, the reality of correcting sin. In the Old Testament, they had a sacrifice to teach us. Uh, They had a law to educate us. This is how your life should be. This is how your life should not be. This is all education. 
sacrifice is the symbol of redemption. Uh, Even though you know enough to try to do right, that's not enough. You still, after having tried to do right, need a spiritual covering. This is the point of the Passover and its celebration. A lamb is offered as spiritual covering. And so when judgment comes, judgment does not see you and the reality of your imperfection. Judgment sees the righteousness of the lamb. It's just like you parents, you give your parents, your kids a credit card so they can buy gas. Hopefully that's all they buy is gas. It's always bad when you give your child a credit card for gas and they go to the Apple store. That, 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 that's difficult. Um, uh, you take your gas, they take your card and they go to get gas. And there's this whole financial system of banks and governments and treasury departments and federal reserves and works pretty well, all things considered. And it's very complex. And uh, your kid goes to buy gas and they take your card and they stick it in the card reader. And at that moment, the system doesn't know that the person they're giving money to doesn't even reliably make their bed. The system thinks it's you. The system wouldn't give them a dime because they're a teenager and they can't even make their bed regularly, but they had your card. Come on, somebody. They had your card and they took your card and they put it in the system. And the system's like, well, hello, Mr. So-and-so. I see you have a good job. I see you don't have a problem oversleeping. I see you pay your bills. We would like to give you money. This is what Christ has done for us. The death angel judgment comes by. We don't pull out our credit card. That's going to get you killed. You pull out God's credit card. And judgment says, oh, we, oh, yeah, you're good standing, good standing. Therefore, what? We have access to God. You see, Christmas was not simply about presents and good times. You guys know this. I'm not going to spend much time on it. It was about correcting the lost relationship that had been destroyed in Eden that we might walk with him. Not simply dutifully serve him, not simply owe him an obligation, but in the relaxing part of your day, you would have time to walk with God. Let me tell you this, one of the great opportunities of your life is for you to make time in your day and be spiritual with that time. Imagine having access to something that you never use. Imagine having air conditioning in your house that you won't turn on. All summer you sweat. Imagine having heating in your house and all winter you freeze because you're not going to turn that on. Imagine having hot water, but every uh, morning that you can get your nerve up, you take a cold shower. Wouldn't it be better to take advantage of what God has already paid for? The point of church is not simply that you're not afraid of dying. The point of church is relationship with God. And so let me uh, take you back. Let me take you back to that, uh, that moment where the shepherds, the lowly, and the Gentiles have come to worship, to serve. They bring gifts uh, to minister to the Lord. Uh, they're not the house of Israel. They are the lowly, and they are uh, the Gentiles there. And the Lord, in this moment of the manger, has made a priesthood out of lowly shepherds and uh, Gentiles. He's made a priesthood out of them. You see, uh, when Christ 
pays our debt. It's, it's just as the angel said, uh, he shall save his people from their sin. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. Uh, just as Christ has done this, um, uh, there is so much about uh, the original creation destroyed by sin that Christ himself does the work to restore. Let me give you a real quick example. Uh, The first thing we need if we're going to have a cure for sin is we need a covering, a spiritual covering. We need an innocent lamb uh, without spot or blemish uh, that fulfills that Passover requirement to give us of God's righteousness and God's goodness. And so Christ becomes uh, the Lamb of God for sinners slain. I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. Christ becomes the Lamb of God for sinners slain. You see, uh, none of us are worthy of that. Uh, even in our most innocent states, we still have a nature that's oriented on ourself. So even the purest little baby, you take away the bottle and see what they have to say about you. They will cuss you in seven languages. Now, if you haven't been, it's been a while since you've been around a newborn, you take that bottle away and they're like, I don't think so. And they will, they will throw down on a dime right there. Boom. You give me that bottle back. You see, so um, even in our purity, our nature is oriented on self. Do you see? Uh, it is something we defend by referring to it probably appropriately as a survival instinct and the like. Um, but um, the purest of us is not uh, able to be our own covering. We need a lamb. And so Christ, what we, he becomes our covering, right? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, he, he, he becomes our covering. But it's more than that. Uh, remember, the whole form of God's perfect creation, uh, the larger creation, the uh, abode of man, um, Eden, and then with e- that holy place, and then within Eden, a garden that is the, the holy of holies where the presence of God is and where God walks with them. Um, this is all lost. And so to correct it, um, we need uh, a tabernacle. Now, I don't have time to preach this. I put half of you to sleep uh, if I try to get into it. Uh, uh, but I just want you to see, if you have time, read the, read the book of Hebrews. He talks about Christ has become our lamb that was covering. And Christ has become our tabernacle. Christ has become our, our altar, our, our brazen, uh, the, the brazen uh, uh, where they would wash. Christ has become that. Christ has become the altar of sacrifice. God, Christ has fulfilled all the necessary roles of the tabernacle plan in his body. It's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He even fulfills the requirement of the high priest. Now in the Old Testament, uh, a high priest was an individual. One of the uh, Levite priesthood would be the high priest. But I want you to see that it was an imperfect priesthood. How do we know? Because on the, the day of atonement, uh, the, the high priest had to go into the holy place twice, not once. How many times did Jesus enter in? Once. Now, the high priest had to go in twice. Why did the high priest have to go in twice? The first time he went in for his own sins. Do you see? This is some good stuff, even if I put my wife to sleep. <laughs> uh, uh, he had to go in for himself. He was an imperfect high priest. And the second time, having been purified, he goes in for who? The people. But in Christ, we have a perfect lamb. In Christ, we have a perfect altar. We have a perfect laver. In Christ, we have a perfect tabernacle plan. In Christ, we have a perfect high priest who does not need to go into the Holy of Holies twice because he did not in himself need to be purified or forgiven. 
He goes in once. He has fulfilled it all. So if all of these roles have been fulfilled, what is left for us to fulfill? There's only one role of this tabernacle uh, model, tabernacle type symbol, shadow, however you want to, whatever your favorite theological word is here. There's only one role that has not been fulfilled through Christ, and that is the role of a priesthood. He is the high priest, but he has left the role of the priesthood, and he has called you to minister to him, to walk with him, to spend your life in the abode of God and walk with him in the holy of holies, to sit at his feet, at his feet, to have true fellowship with God. And this is why in the New Testament you get language about we are a royal priesthood. We have been called to minister, to serve, to show up. Jesus is being born in Bethlehem and no one's going to show up. Oh, that's not true. There were some shepherds who were sleeping in the field and when they heard that Christ was born, they said, let's put our sheep in the fold and let's go see if we might worship. And so the shepherds are walking toward Bethlehem and far in the distance, coming from afar, I should say, you have the wise men coming from the area of Persia looking at this strange apparition in the sky that is drawing them. There's actually some thought that um, every so many hundred uh, years, there's this confluence of Mars and Saturn. It happens tomorrow, one of the few times that it happens in uh, thousands, uh, hundreds of years, actually happens tomorrow. And they don't know that it's a Bethlehem star. That could still be a supernatural phenomenon. We don't want to limit God. But if God used uh, the uh, movement of the heavens, it could have very well been uh, that when this confluence of Mars and Saturn, uh, it was no longer seen as two planets. They were now seen as this new star. Where uh, did this come from? And let's go see. And the people who should be seeking, they aren't seeking. The people who should be in fellowship, they didn't show up. But the lowly and the Gentiles have been turned into a priesthood. And here they come. They're bewildered, yes. They're lowly, yes. They don't know what to bring, and so they just bring stuff that can be traded for anything like frankincense and myrrh, and they bring gold, and this is practical stuff you can use like money. Let's, we don't know what to do, but we heard that uh, Christ is born, and we want to worship. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me just real quick bring this to us. Every one of you who's striving to serve the Lord are responding to God's seeking, God's looking, God's giving of himself to have fellowship with you. It's not about being perfect. There's not a perfect person in the church. It's not about doing everything right. There's nobody does everything right um, except my mom and she's pretty rare. Um, (laughs) um, I want you to see that these 
This is God's invitation. Those of you who got out of bed this morning, it was a beautiful morning to sleep in. It was as fine a sleep-in morning as I've ever seen in my life. In fact, I started to go back to sleep. My wife said I couldn't. I asked her why. She said, you're the preacher. I had to get up and come to church. It was a beautiful sleep-in morning. And here you guys are, full of, well, you know, by COVID standards, a full house. And uh, here we all are. What are we doing? We just decided to show up. He came to his own And his own received him not But as many as received him To them gave he power To become the sons and daughters of God I'm just showing up in Bethlehem I don't exactly know what to expect. I never know what God's doing half the time. Let me give you a a great example. Um, A young lady uh, attended our church over the last five years. Her name is Tiffany. Some of you know her. She was in the first First Steps class I did uh, four years ago. I didn't know know what I was going to do. I just set the date and I bought a tray of sandwiches at Harris Teeter. And I I walked in the classroom and I didn't know who was going to show up. And Tiffany was one of the, she she was in that very first class. And uh, she, she went through the class she attended and uh you know life happens and things happen and she she hasn't had a she would be the first to say that she hasn't you know always been the perfect person she wanted to be but she she's tried she kept showing up so to speak and she never received the gift of tongues now uh tongues is a sign of the holy spirit tongues isn't the holy spirit it's a sign of the holy spirit but as a church we're comfortable with it we want it for everybody it's the fulfillment of the book of acts and uh if there's anybody seeking that i promise you we can uh be a voice of encouragement and help as you seek that. She, she did not speak with tongues. She was baptized. She went through first steps, loved the church, and uh, she never spoke in tongues. Well, about uh, eight months ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she's been she's had a horrible 2020. Some of you guys know. Um, single mom, horrible 2020, um, very, very sick, three different surgeries, hasn't been able to come to church for obvious reasons. If uh, Her immune system is, is, is weaker. It's getting stronger now, but it has been so weak you wouldn't want to risk something like that and so um, we had this past week I've been thinking about her and praying for her and our yesterday when our we had a, our leaders a meeting online her name come up and we were all thinking about her praying for various ones we want to contact her and she decided uh, Lisa Pastor Lisa talked to her last night she said I've got to come to church tomorrow morning I've just got to come to church and um, now Lisa's medical she has sense she's like no I don't know if this is the smartest thing maybe just watch on the line because you know uh, you're, you're not 100%. She said, no, I will cover up. Well, I didn't recognize her this morning in the 9 a.m. service. She was on the front row here early. She was completely covered up. Mask. She had a hoodie on her head. She was she was taking it seriously right here. I, I didn't even rec- recognize her. And so a service happens. Remember, she's come to our church, gone through first steps, never received the Holy Ghost, had a horrible year. Absolutely a terrible, painful, sick year. So sick she couldn't even keep water down. Miserable year. Three surgeries. Going to have to have another surgery. Life has, you thought you had a hard year. I promise you this single mother of three has had a harder year than you have. And this morning, sitting right there, we had a service. I didn't even preach very good. 
she came right here to the altar. She knelt down and God filled her with the Holy Ghost right here. I didn't even know. A time is coming and now is that you'll either worship there or worship here. But you'll worship God in spirit and in truth because God is seeking such to worship finished, went across the street, went across over to my office and she knocked on my door and she just can't hardly talk. She's crying so hard. She's telling us how much she loves the church and how thankful she is for the staff. And she said, I just want to tell you that this morning when I knelt in that altar, she was the only one who came, only person in the altar. She said, "For the, remember how hard it was? She told me, she said, remember how hard it was to try to pray with me? I had twice in first steps, I stopped first steps, laid hands on her and tried to pray her through the Holy Ghost right there because I, I had faith that it would happen. And I, all, all you people who think that, I, my, that everything works for me, I want you to know this. She didn't get the Holy Ghost. It just died flat. We went on with the class twice. She said, remember how hard it was? I said, yes. She said, this morning when I knelt down at the altar, she said, I can't explain it, but something just came out of me. And I began to speak in a heavenly language. I love it. Don't fall into the misunderstanding to think that all this work was done because God wants to make sure you don't do anything wrong. That, that's such a small, narrow, fear-based idea uh, and approach to God where we see the Bible as a handbook on how we can be saved. It's, 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 that's not really what it is. I know you could describe it that way, but that's not really what it is. It's not a handbook about what we have to do, although there are things we, we really need to change as we really need to make. We call it repentance. But it's not really, that's not the goal of it. The goal is not what we do. The goal is to celebrate what Christ has already done. Because he has already paid our debts. He has already, he's as close as the mention of his name. And if you have any desire in your heart to walk with him, you may not know where to find him, but he has your address and he will come right to where you are. And he will fill you with his spirit and he will wash your sins away and he'll wrap his arms around you. And that which is of the flesh shall be introduced to the spirit and that which is of sin shall be washed and we shall become a new creation in Christ Jesus. All across the house. We're going we're to turn this whole house into a prayer service here for a little while. If you need to go, you can be dismissed at any time. If you're visiting and you want to slip out at any time, you can go from this point on and, and it, it's okay. But what we like to do in our services is we like to linger for a little while. And so we're going to have the praise team lead us in worship. If you have a need here, I, I, I pray that you will let your faith rise. Um, you could, if, you, if you would like to, you can step out and come down to the front. We have a lot of room down here. Our pastoral staff will be down here. Some of them will be down here. They will pray with you. If you want to stay where you are, that's okay too. I know it's a crazy time, but it's okay. But we're not just going to rush out, okay? I want us to linger here for a little while. If you're watching this in your kitchen, your living room, whatever, turn that place. Don't just click away, please. (laughs) Turn that place into a worship. Uh, They'll let the music play as we do. We'll let the music play. Even if the videos cut, the music will 
still be playing. I, I turn that place into a garden where you are in the presence of God. And everything that God has done for you is for the point of spiritual connection. And you are gathered with Him and you have fellowship with Him. All across the house right now, church, pray with me. Lord God, we are calling upon you. I'm praying for every person here who has a need in their lives. Oh Lord Jesus, I'm praying that their faith would be strong. I'm praying that their confidence in your promise would be strong. Lord Jesus, I'm praying today that you would wrap your arms around them. The person who is fighting with a sense of spiritual isolation, they feel far from you and they don't know where to start. Lord, let them know that you know how to get to them even if they don't know how to get to you. Lord Jesus, would you give them the confidence to simply offer a prayer of simplicity and authenticity. Lord Jesus, let your spirit fill that living room. Let your spirit fill that kitchen. Oh God, let this house be filled with the essence of your presence. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want to take advantage of the victory of Calvary, the victory of Bethlehem, the victory of the incarnation, the advent of Christ. We are celebrating today what you have done what you have accomplished in Jesus. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.